Well, this week we are continuing our series called Portraits of Grace that we began last week. And for the next number of weeks, we're going to take a look, uh, as I've mentioned, at the life of some of God's faithful men and women, in whom and through whom, and maybe most importantly, for whom, uh, God worked his amazing grace. And today, in particular, we're going to be taking a look at the life of a man named Aaron. And like we saw with Moses last week, and as we will see in the weeks to come, uh, there's a lot to like about Aaron. Aaron was a godly man. He played an important role in in God's new kingdom, the the Israelite kingdom. He was a a good speaker. But as we'll see in in many of these people as as we go through this series, Aaron also had his own struggles. And there is something that Aaron struggled with that many people who've read the scriptures and and looked at the Bible and and in particular looked at the life of Aaron have noticed. uh, And that is that Aaron seems to be a a chronic people pleaser. Uh, Aaron, and we see this today and we see it in a few other instances in his life, he seems to crave the affirmation and the applause and the acceptance of other people. He is a people pleaser. A more classic definition of what a people pleaser is, is someone who relies upon external validation. They need to be externally validated by the people around them. People pleasers very often also have a tendency to never want to say no. Uh, maybe, Maybe they know it's the right thing to say no when someone asks them to do something. They know they want to say no. They know probably the healthy thing is to say no, but they just can't because they want to please the people around them. People pleasers also have a tendency to apologize excessively. So they're always saying sorry, even for things that aren't their fault, maybe even things that they haven't even done. They just always say sorry because they want to keep the peace and, and make everyone happy. People pleasers, they also seem to think that everyone in the room's feelings is, is reliant upon them. They seem or they feel responsible for how everyone around them feels. And they rely on, on positive words and praise and affirmation from other people in order to feel good about themselves. Uh, that's something that people pleasers do. Finally, people pleasers very often uh, will go to great lengths. They'll go above and beyond in order to avoid conflict at any cost. They just want to keep the peace, have everyone get along. That's what a people pleaser looks like. Maybe uh, some of that sounds a little familiar to you. Maybe for a few of you it even hits home a little bit. I I think the truth is that each of us, uh, deep down inside, even the most self-confident and self-assured of us, we all like to please people on some level, don't we? And that was certainly the case for Aaron. Aaron, though, before we kind of dive too deep into our story for today, Aaron was a good man, uh, a godly man in many ways, and and we see this throughout his story. Uh, We know that that Aaron, you might remember this, was the older brother of Moses, who we looked at last week. Aaron was about, uh, as far as we know, three years older than Moses was. And while Aaron was the older brother, he was actually second in command of the Israelites. He He was second in charge. Moses was the leader. Uh, But if you remember how the story goes, Moses isn't that good of a speaker, right? He doesn't like to talk very much. He he gets kind of embarrassed and he's not good with words. And and so God uses Aaron to be the spokesperson, the public relations director, the media relations guy to get God's word out to the people of Israel. That's Aaron's primary job. But uh, that's not all. We also know that Aaron was a fantastic encourager and supporter. I know we have some people like that here. Uh, Probably the best example of that encouraging and supporting nature of of Aaron 
comes from Exodus chapter 17. Uh, You might remember this story too. There's this time when God's people, the Israelites, go out to battle against a group of foreigners called the Amalekites. And as they're out there in battle fighting this war, whenever Moses lifts his arms up in this, uh, in this uh, position of victory and power, the Israelites seem to win. They push back the enemy. Things go well. But whenever his arms fall, the enemy begins to rule the day. And so it is Aaron who stands alongside his, his younger brother Moses and upholds Moses' arms so that Israel can win the day. Aaron was an amazing encourager and supporter. Aaron was also a priest. And you all know the priests are the ones who made the sacrifices, right? They're the ones who stood in the temple, went before the Lord on behalf of the people, uh, the, the, the ones who made the sacrifices that covered the sins of the people. They were there to encourage and, and raise the people up in their faith so that they would continue to trust their Lord. Aaron was a priest, not only a priest, though he was the chief priest. He was the priest of all priest, priests. Uh, he was the senior pastor of the congregation called Israel. And then finally, the last thing of, of note that I'll point out about Aaron is that we use his words uh, almost every time we gather together for worship. Um, most worships, just about every worship, I leave you towards the end of our service with a blessing, right? I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. And, and those words come to us from Aaron. Aaron gave that blessing to the people of Israel. That blessing is actually called the Aaronic Blessing. It's named after him and it's kind of neat that even all these thousands of years later, God's people across the world throughout history continue to use those words of, of Aaron. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, But in our reading for today, we we start to come across some of his struggles. You see, in our reading for today, Exodus 32, if you you want to flip to it, you can. The the, the people of Israel are at this crucial juncture in their life. Uh, God has drawn them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and and into this desert now. And in, in the beginning of our reading, Moses, their leader, is off talking with the Lord. Which is nothing new. Uh, Moses has spent a lot of time talking with God, but, but God has brought him up to the top of this mountain to give him some instructions and directions. Um, God will actually give Moses up there at the top of the mountain the Ten Commandments written on these two tablets of stone. And, and while Moses is, is up there, um, which is nothing new, but what is new is, is that he's gone for a really long time, longer than he's ever been gone before. Moses goes to talk with God and he goes up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people are not used to this. Uh, they don't know what's going on up there. They're at the bottom of the mountain. They can't see Moses. Uh, they don't know if Moses is even still there, if he's fallen off the side or gotten eaten by a wild goat. They have no idea. But what they do know is that they need a leader, right? They can't do this themselves. They need someone, something to, to, to continue to lead them forth towards that promised land. And, and so the people in their doubt and their confusion and their lack of of faith and in their fear, they go to Aaron, second in command, and they demand that Aaron make them a god. They say, come, get up, Aaron, make for us a god who can lead us forth and bring us to where we need to be. And, and here's, here's Aaron, right? The, the chief priest, the priest of all priests, the one who is there to represent God for the people, the one who is uh, there to, to speak his word, uh, God's spokesperson, Here on earth, here's Aaron, and he gives in, and he listens to the people. He tries to appease them in their anger. He he does what he knows will 
will make them feel good. And, and, and so Aaron, he, he tells them to take off their rings and their earrings, all the gold jewelry that they have. And he, he takes all that gold and he fashions it together and he gives the people uh, what they want. He, he forms for them a golden calf, an idol. Aaron decides to follow after the ways of the people rather than after God's ways. Aaron seems to be more interested in, pleasing, in appeasing the anger of the Israelites than he is in, in appeasing God's righteous anger, which is surely going to come. Aaron is a, a people pleaser. And as you can imagine, as the story goes, God is not happy with this, right? <laughs> And as we're going to see, God is never happy when you choose to please people over God. And, and, and God sees what's going on there at the bottom of the mountain and he's furious. He, he tells Moses that he's going to wipe out all of these Israelites, that he's just done with them and their disobedience. And it's only because Moses pleads and begs God on, on behalf of the people. He says, Lord, have mercy. Remember your promises. And it's only because of that that God relents. And, and yet still there's consequences for this. 3,000 people die that day because of that sin. And and actually Moses, when he goes down the mountain and he sees with his own eyes what the people and his brother have done, he becomes so angry himself that he smashes the two tablets of stone that God had written the, the Ten Commandments on. And we're reminded today that, that you can't try to please both God and man. When you do, you always end up choosing one or the other. And, and trying to please people will always lead to idolatry. Maybe not a golden calf like it did with Aaron, but it will always lead you away from the Lord. And, and the lesson we're reminded of is, is that God wants us to follow his ways and obey his will over and above everything and everyone else. Can I tell you a joke this morning? Uh, I, have to, I have to ask for your permission because it is a really really bad joke. <laughs> and uh, not a dirty joke, just a bad joke. Uh, one of those jokes, no one, none of you are going to laugh. You will probably groan. Uh, the most I can ask for is a little smirk. Um, I had to ask my, my wife and my mother if I could tell the joke because uh, it was that bad. And they both said it was okay. They groaned, uh, but they said, yeah, you should tell the joke. So I'm going to tell the joke. I heard a few yeses, uh, so I'll go with it. Uh, here's how it goes. Uh, a long time ago, uh, there were two people an old man and a young man. And these two men had a journey to go on. They were making a trip to a faraway village. And when they started the journey, the young man rode on a donkey they had with them while the old man walked alongside. And, and this set up, this situation worked for them. It was good. They were happy with it. And the, the young man rode, the old man walked. And as they made their way on, they came across a group of people, though. And this group of people looked at the two of them and they said, Wait a second, this is not right. You can't have this young man, this healthy man, riding this donkey in luxury while the old man walks. And two of them thought about it. They talked a little between themselves and they said, You know what? You're right. And so they switched spots. Now the old man rode the donkey while the young man walked. And this was good for them. They were happy with the situation that they were in. And they made their way. They went on a little further where they came across a second group of people. And this group of people looked at the two of them, the old man riding, the young man walking, and they said, this is not right. It is not fair. It's not equal. You can't have one riding and one walking. And so the two of them talked and, and they decided, you know what, you're right. And so the old man got off the donkey and now the, the two of them walked and, and they pulled the donkey alongside of them. 
And this was good. They, they made do, and they were happy with the situation. They went a little further when they came across a third group of people. And this group of people looked at the two of them walking alongside of a perfectly good donkey, and they said, wait a second, this is not right. You have a perfectly good donkey. Why are you wasting that donkey? And the two of them talked, and they decided, you know what, you're right. So now both of them get on the donkey. And this is good for them. They're happy with it. And, and they're making good time. They go along a little further when they come across another group of people. This group of people looks at the two of them riding a donkey, and, and this group of people also happens to be animal rights activists. And, and they look at these two people on one donkey, and they say, this is not right. This is not fair. You're, you're causing so much trouble and pain for this donkey. And the two of them think about it, and they talk between themselves, and they say, you know what? You're right. And so they get off the donkey, and now they carry the donkey <laughs> on their shoulders. The two of them carrying this donkey, and, and fortunately for them, they don't have very much further to go. They just have to cross a bridge in order to get into town where they're going. And they start to cross the bridge. And, and while they're on it, though, the bridge is old and it's shaky and they trip. And the, and the donkey falls off their shoulders. And it travels down into the water and it hits some rocks where the donkey dies. The moral of the story, when you try to please people, you can kiss your ass Goodbye. <laughs> I told you it was a bad joke. A really bad joke. And now I know that's the only part of the, the sermon you're going to remember. I know that's true. Uh, but I heard that joke and I thought, that is so fitting and it's so true. When you try to live your life in such a way that you try to please everyone around you, it doesn't go well. And in fact, God calls us, his people, to follow him in his ways and his ways alone. And, and the truth is, again, even the most self-assured, self-confident of us, uh, we, we struggle with this. We all like to please people on some level. And, and I see it all the time in my own life. I, I, I see it in parents sometimes. And I'm not a parent, which means I'm getting into dangerous territory, but I see it in parents who just want to please and appease their children, right? And, and they let their children rule the house and cause all sorts of trouble, maybe even harm to themselves or, or other people in the family. They could be literally lighting the house on fire and mom and dad will say, you know what, it's my fault. I kept them up late last night. I didn't cut the crust off their sandwiches this morning. Just let them do whatever they want. Right? I, I see it in relationships where people enter into these toxic relationships, uh, uh, compromising their values and, and their morals and everything they believe in in order to please and appease the other partner. The other little dirty secret about people pleasers, uh, for those of us who like to please other people, is that on the outside, it can look like we are the kindest, most giving people, right? Because we never say no and, and, and we do things for people. We go above and beyond. But the truth is that it's often a very selfish way to live. You're using other people to make yourself feel good. You're, you're doing things for them to feel validated and accepted and loved. But brothers and sisters, the, the good news for those of us who might be people pleasers is that everything we're looking for in the lives of other people, the acceptance, the love, the welcoming, the validation, all of that is already ours in Jesus. It was that way with Aaron, right? Here he was trying to appease their anger and please this group of, of fickle people. And, and yet everything that, that he was looking for from the people was already his from God. From God. He was accepted. He was loved. He was welcomed in. He didn't need the people to tell him that. 
And brothers and sisters, it's the same for all of us. We are loved. We are accepted. God loved each of us here today so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, our high priest, who didn't sacrifice a bull or a goat or a ram or a sheep for us. He sacrificed his very own life for us. And by faith in that sacrifice, you and I, we are accepted and loved and we are welcomed in. And the really cool thing, brothers and sisters, about believing that, once we're able to wrap our minds around that, that, that God loves us and accepts us, and there's nothing we can do to add that. We don't need anyone else to tell us that, 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 that we are uh, loved by him. Once we wrap our minds ar- around that fact, that the amazing thing is that we are free. We are free in Jesus and everything that he has given us to go out and serve our our neighbors and our friends and our family, not just trying to please them, but serve them. When we realize that we are abundantly and undeservedly blessed and that we have more from Jesus than we could ever ask or imagine from him, when we trust that that is true, we don't have to live our lives in such a way that we're just trying to meet the temporary pleasures of the people around us, but we can serve and sacrifice and give them things that we never could have imagined. Again, not just pleasing them, but showing them true Christ-like love. And when we live that way, with that heart full of faith and that mind that knows that, that we have a God who has given us everything we need, And then when we go out and we serve the people around us, that is (laughs) God-pleasing. See, brothers and sisters, believe it or not, your God loves you. He accepts you, not because of you, but because of Jesus, the one who lived that perfect life, who was your high priest, who gave up everything for you. And by faith in him, God is pleased with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.